Welcome to the Exit Strategy, your no bullshit guide to divorce with the experienced attorneys from New Direction Family Law and guests that have been there. Unfiltered discussions to help you move from victim to victorious and from bitter to better. Hello, I'm Sarah Hink, one of the partners and attorneys at New Direction Family Law. Elizabeth is back at the office being an attorney, so good for her. Today, I'll be speaking with Ashley Oldham. She's another partner and attorney at Family at Family Law. <laughs> yes, I'll, the, the I'll world of Family Law, New Direction. Hey, Ashley. Hi. Glad to be here. We're here on St. Patrick's Day recording. We all got a little Guinness, so slanche to everyone out there. Slanche. And today, we'll be talking about military divorces. Some little interesting tidbits that you might have questions about being answered today that sets them apart from a normal divorce. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm happy to talk about military divorce. So, you know, if I'm married and my spouse is in the military, what different obstacles am I going to face as a spouse going through a separation? Or what other things should I think about that's different than a a normal marriage? In some ways, military divorce is not unlike any other divorce. You're going to have custody orders, child support issues, spousal support, got to divide up property. But with each within each subset there, there's some unique things and about military divorces like deployments for custody, for example. What happens when a parent deploys? Or for child support, what happens if these service members overseas or if they're not paying support and we can't get into a court hearing, what can I do then? And then, of course, with property division, what types of property are we talking about? Pensions, thrift savings plans, those are Names that aren't often in regular divorces. They don't have pensions these days and many jobs. Yeah, that's know. true. Those days, those good days are over. None of us are going to have pensions in our generation, at least. But so starting out, does it matter where we file for divorce? So if me and my spouse move around a lot because he's in the military and we just got to a new state, we've only been here like six months, but we were in another state for a while and we got married in a totally different state, where do we get divorced? Where do we start the process? The same rules on subject matter jurisdiction, personal jurisdiction are still going to apply to military divorce just like they do any other, but there is a unique twist when it comes to military divorce and pension. Okay. (laughs) Federal law actually says that you have to have specific jurisdiction over the actual pension in order to divide it. And so there's three ways under federal law that you can have jurisdiction over a pension, but it can create issues if you don't, because you can do all your other divorce stuff in one state, your custody, your spouse support, everything else. And the service member can say, oh, I'm not domiciled in this state. You can't divide my pension here, which can create yeah. hiccups. as you can. Where do we divide that pension? <laughs> where he lives, where the spouse lives at the time? Uh, well, there are three bases for jurisdiction under federal law. One is consent. It's going to be expensive for the service member to try to contest jurisdiction. So you're more than likely going to get everybody's consent to divide it in the state. So that's the most likely way to get around it. But the other area, if there's not consent, is domicile. So you look at where the service member is domiciled, which is not often as easy as just where they have their driver's license or where they're currently living. You got to look at several factors to figure out domicile. And then the third is even trickier. It's where the service member is residing for reasons other than military assignments. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We could go on and on yeah. about these. Wait, what are those other reasons? <laughs> Well, a service member could be stationed, for example, in South Carolina, but living across the state lines because they have elderly parents they're taking care of or something like that. It was a, a, the only example I've really seen. A little, <laughs> little catch-all there. But yeah, there is there are three reasons, and that's one of them. Yeah. So a lot of times people come to me, and there's a 401k, but they've only been married a couple years, and I tell them, okay, the marital estate 
is pretty small then if you've only been married for two years is it worth dividing but when there's military divorces there's actually like there's a certain length of time you need to be married correct to benefit from certain accounts from the other spouse or is that incorrect that, that is a common falsity oh, a rumor one of them especially with regard to the pension we hear day in and day out that you got to be married 10 years to 10 get a years, po- portion yeah. of the pension which is not true but you'd be surprised how many people think that um you can be married five days 10 days and get a, a portion of the pension of course it's gonna be a very small portion I mean, a tiny but... one at that one <laughs> But the 10-year rule is as to whether you can get direct payments from the payment center, which is known as DFAS. If you've been married 10 years, overlapping 10 years of military service, you can get direct payments from DFAS, which is what you really want Mm because it's going to make enforcement so much easier. Otherwise, you risk that spouse absconding and trying to chase down those pension payments for the rest of your life. And what other benefits are there to military pensions that you might be able to get? That is one of the most important things in a military divorce is knowing what are we talking about here? What are the assets we're talking about here? And we've touched on the pension. That's one of the more unique parts or is becoming more unique is the fact that there's going to be a pension, which is not, of course, a lump sum of money sitting here, but it is a stream of income for the rest of the service member's life. So the pension you want to think about? You want to think about survivor benefits because, okay, as I just said, the pension is going to continue for the rest of the service member's life, but the pension stops when the service member dies unless the former spouse has been granted the survivor benefit plan, the SBP. So the pension, the SBP, you also want to think about the TSP, you know, military loves acronym, (laughs) (laughs) the thrift savings plan, which, as you said, is very much like a 401k. So there's the three major assets we want to talk about when we're doing a military divorce. Okay. And so if I'm in the military and I'm thinking of separation, does the military give me an attorney? Am I like entitled to an attorney through the military service? You are entitled to legal assistance, um, which is <laughs> usually found through the legal assistance office or JAG. But oftentimes those attorneys might not be licensed in your state. I mean, they might be freshly out of law school and have just learned a little bit on a whole bunch of different areas of law right. and not a particularly knowledgeable on family law. So while that's a good place to get started, it's probably not the best place to get all of your advice. And they can't represent you in court. Yes, that's similar to a lot of corporations these days Mm -hmm. have um, some kind of attorneys and like legal services they offer through your employment with the corporation. And oftentimes they're the same way. Not do family law, maybe negotiate a separation agreement. Clearly no hardly anything about family law. Oh, I've, yes. And, you know, some of the big corporations here, we have SAS. I've yeah. encountered that there. So, you know, always be weary and maybe get an opinion from a family law attorney that just practices family law. And we were talking about before we came here, like tips and tricks and things that we would recommend with military divorce. I would say that's number one is picking the right attorney because you want to, and you don't necessarily need an attorney who is fully knowledgeable in military divorce. There's some of those around here, but they're yeah. few and far between. But you want an attorney who knows enough to know what they don't know. You could get an attorney who's knowledgeable on divorce or, or on military divorce, but or get regular divorce attorney, but who knows where they need to outsource something right. like drafting the paperwork or consulting on what benefits are divisible and what might not yes. be. Um, There's so. a lot of literature out there on military divorce. If someone's already right. read it, that's great. Probably choose them. But at least the other person will hopefully know that they need to go read it if they need to answer some questions they don't know the answers right. to already. Uh, Another scenario. So if I'm in the military, I know I'm going to be deployed. I'm negotiating custody. While I'm deployed, I want my son to go stay with my mother. So the grandma. Is that 
something that we can negotiate or is that something a court will order always if I'm deployed? Is that an option? It's certainly something you can negotiate. You can always have that in your consent order. And if you have put that in your order or if a judge decided that and it's in your order, that is going to control when you deploy. But if there is nothing in your order, North Carolina has what is known as the UDPCVA, the Uniform Deployed Parents Custody and Visitation Act, which actually allows a service member, if they follow certain requirements, to delegate their custodial time to someone else during during their deployment. It has mm-hmm. to be someone the child has a close and substantial relationship with, which often in these cases can be a step parent, yeah. which is a testy <laughs> issue. Makes the other side a little mad. Yeah. Yeah. Which is understandable. Okay. If dad's not here to take care of the, the our child, then the child right. should be with me. I'm yeah. mom. Sure. Shouldn't be with stepmom, especially if they just got married. That happens pretty quickly sometimes in these scenarios. It does. Yeah. I could understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of children and there might be child support, a lot of times families, they receive income from the military for housing payments, other special perks of being in the military, income flows. What counts towards child support in the in a scenario with a military spouse? Is there anything to consider other than just regularly occurring income? from a paycheck? Sure. And the short answer is everything. So a lot of these benefits that the military service members get are not taxable per se, which is a a reason why you don't want to just go off someone's tax return if they're in the military, because that's not going to show a good portion of their income. It'll just show their taxable income. But there are other entitlements like their BAH, basic allowance for housing, or their BAS, basic allowance for subsistence. Or if they get any other special pay, like flip pay, foreign language pay, or jump pay for parachuting, that kind of thing, that's Jump. not going to be <laughs> on on their tax return, but it will be on their pay stub. They'll leave an earning statement and that will count for child support. Okay. Good to know. I didn't know there was jump pay out there. <laughs> there is. Yeah. I used to get date a guy in the military and he had to jump like so many times in a certain time frame in order to qualify and get that jump pay every time. Sign me up. <laughs> I think it's only 150. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Risk your life every time. That's a big risk for not a lot of No, thank you. Okay. So let's, what other things are different that you should look out for in a military divorce. Choosing the right attorney, like we said, because the rules change often. And there's been several big changes here recently that you want to make sure your attorney is aware of, one of which is known as the frozen benefit rule, which um, affects how much of the pension a former spouse is entitled to. The federal law changed on that with the National Defense Authorization Act of 2017, I think. So federal law changed how a pension can be divided. And then North Carolina struck back and tried to equalize that for former spouses. So the law has changed in that area. You want to make sure you know that. But one of the bigger things that's been litigated more recently is realizing that pension might not be worth as much as you think it is because there are certain types of disability benefits a service member may become entitled to Mm -hmm. later on that essentially wipe out what portion of that pension is divisible with the former spouse. So the former spouse might think they're going to get $2,000 a month for life, but then Once this disability kicks in, they're getting something like $600 a month for life. And then with this new federal law changes, most states have said you can't go back and be made whole. So there's some planning that, you know, can go into that that you want to make sure you talk about with your attorney in terms of perhaps doing an unequal distribution of assets or planning for alimony that could possibly be modified later on. It's definitely a discussion you need to have. Yeah, for sure. Another question. So if I'm the second spouse for a military member and we're getting a separation and divorce, and I know that his first wife already got a cut of the pension and survivor benefits, 
Now, what's left for a second spouse? Can you get survivor benefits after, if you're the second spouse, if it's already been awarded, per se, in another court order for a first spouse? Not survivor benefits. Those are un- a unitary benefit. They go to one person, although I guess in theory, maybe if that first spouse passed away, they would then become eligible. But generally, no, it's a unitary benefit. But with the pension, it can be divided among multiple spouses. I do think there's a federal limit that you can't take more than 50%. But, uh, but, but how do... many spouses does that allow us? <laughs> the most I've ever seen is two. <laughs> but I suppose in theory, as long as you didn't go over 50%, you could have more. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Hey guys, it's Jen with New Direction Family Law. And if you yourself have been through a divorce or you know someone that's contemplating a divorce, then you know how important it is to make sure that you know your legal rights or your friend knows their legal rights and options to help develop the best plan for them and their family moving forward. At New Direction Family Law, we have over 30 years of combined experience protecting the rights of our clients in family law matters. We aggressively advocate, we aggressively support, and we absolutely educate our clients to achieve the best possible outcomes. So if you or someone you know are facing these questions or contemplating separation or divorce, give us a call to schedule an initial consultation today. You can reach us at 919-719-3470 or reach out to us via our website at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. And healthcare. So a lot of members are, are entitled to TRICARE. Their spouses have it. And if you go through a separation, how long can you stay on the TRICARE? And what about your children? So generally, TRICARE is going to terminate at midnight on the day following your divorce, unless you fall into certain categories. And, and one of those is known as the 2020 spouse. So if you've been married for 20 years, the service member was in the military for 20 years, and those two sets of 20 years overlapped for 20 years, mm-hmm. you're known as a 2020-20 spouse and you're going to get health care for life. There's a 2020-15 spouse, which has those same first two requirements, 20 years in the military, 20 years of marriage, but only 15 years of overlap. You can get a year of continued health care. A year after? A year, I, I know, mean, for 15 years. years, years that's like a long that. time. And it requires 20 years of marriage. It's just yeah, the 15 just years stick out another five years to get health care for life. <laughs> I know. But sometimes the service member retires earlier, and that's what yeah. cuts off the, the time. And, Ian, when you're counting up 20 years, don't just go based on what a pay statement shows or what you think. You need to actually contact DEERS, the Defense mm-hmm. and Eligibility Enrollment Register Service or something like that, DEERS, D-E-E-R-S, and make sure that you talk to them and the former spouse determination program to get what they think is yes, the... That's- what I've learned, the most important thing is, is just get all the records you can, coordinate right. with them. And sometimes it's difficult to get that information, especially if you're not the military member. And subpoenaing, subpoenaing this information. Oh, yeah. Good luck. Oh, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> impossible. It's not. I'm sure it's not impossible. Yeah. If you want to get you My know, record federal is not good, but. <laughs> <laughs> if you, want to, you have many years to wait and you know, federal license to practice in federal court, you might have some luck. Yeah, maybe. Try your best to get attorneys that are going to work together and avoid any issues like that because you really do need that information. But I'm sure if you're in court, the judge will be like, make give access to this information. Yeah. And the North Carolina State Bar has a standing committee on legal assistance for military personnel. So that is actually a great resource. Their website is nclamp, nclamp.gov. And they have tons of handouts and pamphlets for both attorneys who are practicing military divorce, but also for service members or spouses who are looking for attorneys. They actually have a whole section on how to find a military divorce attorney and what questions you might want to grill them on to see if they really know their military divorce. So I absolutely recommend checking that out. Okay. That's great information for our listeners to have. 
Do you think of anything that you've encountered that listeners should know about to look out for? Oh, I think we've covered enough to make people's heads spin in this first podcast. (laughs) Maybe we'll do a more in-depth for our advanced listeners (laughs) at some point. Yes, I'll be for CLE credit for any attorneys out there. We'll check back when that one airs. Thanks so much, Ashley, for being here and joining us on this St. Patrick's Day. Awesome. Thank you. If you have questions out there, and regardless of whether you're in North Carolina or not and need some information on military divorces, feel free to reach out to our office and you can have a consultation with Ashley and she'd love to help you out. Ain't that some (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. You can visit us at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the exit strategy underscore podcast or email us at exit strategy at newdirectionfamilylaw.com. We'll be back next time with more no bullshit content about life, divorce, parenting, relationships, and everything in between.